Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I'm Dave, creator, host, narrator, writer, producer, and, well, I guess you could just say the mind behind AIC Stories. That's right. Like you guys probably know, AIC Stories is a very small, independent, one-man operation. And as you probably know, creating a podcast, especially one with multiple series like AIC Stories, takes a lot of work, a lot of time, effort, and, let's be honest, a lot of money. That's why I wanted to take just a second to let you know that if you love AIC Stories and want to help support the show, you can do that now in a couple different ways, including at buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories. Buy Me A Coffee is a way for you as a listener to help keep the lights on and keep the stories flowing. Every little bit helps, and while I was very hesitant to even think about asking anyone for money because, well, who likes to do that? I had more than a few people ask how they could help support AIC Stories, and I figured, why not? People were asking, so let's give you guys the option. And truly, the support means the world to me, so I do sincerely thank you for that. Of course, I know not everyone is in a position to financially support the show through Buy Me A Coffee, but that doesn't mean you still can't help me out immensely. If you can take a second to leave a rating and review, or even just share the show on social media or tell your friends about all the great storytelling content happening right here at AIC Stories, you'll be helping me out just as much as any financial support through Buy Me A Coffee would. And I'm eternally grateful for any and all help that you guys can give me. Like I said, this is a small independent podcast and it takes a lot of work to keep this thing going and any of this help that you can do really just means the world to me and helps me keep delivering better and better content to you guys each and every week. So jump over to buymeacoffee.com slash AIC stories or just visit AICstories.com and you'll find all the links right there if you want to help financially support AIC stories. Or, of course, you can find me on social media everywhere at AIC Stories. And you can leave a rating, review in the podcast player of your choice. So share the show, tell your friends, rate and review if you can. And if you're able to and interested, buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories is where you can go to financially support the show and, and help keep these stories flowing. I do truly appreciate it. I'm sorry for the interruption here. Now, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming. Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. Layers upon layers. That's often the way it goes when you begin to get deeper into trying to solve a mystery. This, well, this was no different. Every step along this journey only served to bring me closer to... more questions. More unsolved questions being dumped on the table. As if you were putting together a puzzle and you start making some progress, only to have someone walk by and dump a bag full of seemingly unrelated pieces on the pile and then mix them up. 
But you eventually find yourself deep enough into the journey that you can't just clear the table and walk away. Even if sticking with it at this point feels futile and pointless, how do we stay motivated to keep pushing forward when the goalposts are constantly being pushed out of view? But you know, that's the thing, isn't it? The next layer is more interesting than the last, and so we can't imagine walking away from it at all. Well, we slept in later than we planned that next day. A few too many beers and good times were had the night before, as we enjoyed the air being cleared between us for the first time in a real long time. So by the time I was able to call Arnie, it was mid-afternoon, and he and Maggie had just come in from getting the rest of their grass seed planted and watered. I remember when he picked up the phone how tired and cranky he sounded. To the point I felt bad for interrupting him, but not enough to tell him I'd call him back another time. I was feeling too good and, and felt like we were unstoppable. After all, we'd spent all afternoon out there the day before, well into the evening, so that he could fill us in on where to find the place Walter claimed to have seen all the cars, and instead we got a wild tale about a UFO and about some invisible creature that tried to strangle him years ago all while he was pounding beer after beer after beer. He was probably just hung over. I mean, he didn't even give us not even a peep about what we came there to talk about. And with all that arrogant attitude as if what they said was perfectly logical, yet they had helped to have Walter committed to the mental ward because he was crazy and had lost his grip on reality. Well, yeah, I, I know. It's not my proudest moment, letting myself still feel irritated about that, but I guess I still feel a little guilty about it, but what can I do? The, the past is in the past, and I can't change that no matter how much I want to. Anyways, I tried to make myself sound cheery, and as if it was just me that had forgotten to ask about the Valley of Cars location, and Arnie, well, he did tell me how to find the spot, said it was easy enough to find, but from his end of that large chunk of wilderness, it was a, a much longer and, and more difficult hike. You see, he, he told me how there was a lot of really thick brush and you were gonna have to travel up and down quite a few hills and swampy stretches that required some pretty careful footwork in order to you know, avoid the deep, stagnant waters of that swamp. There's a giant bog out there, actually. This news, well, you can imagine I wasn't thrilled to hear it, given that I was still not super mobile as I was, you know, I'm still recovering from the wounds and still aching all over from the, you know, deep gashes and, and cuts and scars that previously tore up my body. It's funny how our mind, once again, plays tricks on us, and, and as much as my mind told me I could take on any sort of hike required, my body reminded me that, as I simply stood there talking on the phone, 
that I was insane to think I'd make it more than a few hundred feet through that kind of terrain. So feeling my, my face flush with embarrassment, I, I asked Arnie if there were any other ways to get there that weren't quite as punishing as the trek from his end. I, I could hear Maggie in the background talking to him and seeming to be trying to chime in as he spoke. It, it made him sound way more irritated than his easygoing lake life attitude showed the night before, but between telling her to quiet down and trying to remember what he was saying to me, he, uh, he eventually gave me an answer. He told me about the Barths, Betty and, and Jerry he said their names were. They lived up in the old homestead you could see across the lake from Arnie's place. Hiking from their place would put us a little closer and bypass some of the nastiest parts of the swamp since they were opposite the water flow out of the lake, but as Maggie piped in in the background to remind him, the Barths were out of town for their daughter's wedding in Colorado until at least the following month, so if we went that avenue, we'd have to wait until they got back. Of course, my frustration was spiking. I, I didn't want to wait a month before even finding out if we'd be able to hike to this valley from the Barths. I asked, you know, if he knew of any other options. He told me no, that there was no one else up that way. But Maggie, she still was throwing in her two cents in the background, even, even when I don't know how she could even hear what I was saying. I, I mean... I guess they're older, they, they must have had their phone volume just cranked. She scolded Arnie and I could hear them argue a bit as he pulled the phone away from his mouth. She's just a crazy old lady, he'd whispered angrily. Oh stop, she isn't and you know it, Maggie snapped back. Variations of this went on for a solid two minutes until I finally cleared my throat to remind Arnie that I was still on the line. With a resigned sigh, he told me there there was one other option and would actually put us not far away as the crow flies, keeping the hike under a mile through hills, but bypassing the swamp altogether. But we really would be better off waiting for the Barths to return if he asked him. And just like that, another layer was peeled back. Another question, another story was about to drop in my lap. What I didn't know is if it would bring me any closer to finding out just what is happening with Mystery Minnesota. Joni Faustin was an elderly woman in her mid to late 70s, as far as anyone could guess. She'd venture into town about once a month to pick up what groceries and supplies she'd need, then she'd retreat to her little home tucked away up far on the north edge of the uh, the opposite side of that huge swamp and well away from anything resembling lake life on Pakshu Falls Lake. When I, when I heard her name, I, I kind of remembered hearing stories of her as a kid. And in school, kids would whisper about the crazy lady at the end of that long dirt road that claimed she could fly through space, claimed she could travel anywhere she wanted just by thinking about it. Some claimed they'd see her wandering down that narrow dirt road with nothing but a creepy black robe and her undergarments on. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of old lady Faustin in years and I couldn't wait to tell my brother that this is who Arnie and Maggie were telling us was the next best step in our search for Mystery Minnesota. 
<laughs> I, I knew he was going to lose his mind, and I couldn't help but laugh a little bit as Arnie told me how to get to her place. I, I actually had to apologize once again for the laughter because he stopped mid-sentence and asked me what was so funny. I, I felt bad, and I, I tried to explain that my brother was going to be shocked because he used to be terrified of this old lady that could fly when he was a kid, but Arnie, uh, he wasn't in the mood for laughing. He just kind of grunted and continued on. She lives up off the Masabi Trunk Trail off of County Road 12. Yeah, I should have figured you'd have heard of her and all her crazy stories. I, I doubt any of them are real. As he spoke, his words cut off abruptly. The call hadn't dropped because I could still hear noises coming through the line. I, I remember thinking at first maybe he had cracked a beer and taken another long pull mid-sentence, but it was kind of a gurgling, swallowing sound, but then I heard the phone drop. I heard something heavy fall to the floor, glass breaking, and now those gurgling sounds became the sounds of someone choking, gasping for air as they tried to breathe, someone struggling to remain standing, and as I listened in horror, all the sounds stopped. And all I could hear was the faint sound of loons in the background as they called across the lake. That and the creaking tap of the phone as it sounded like it was hanging down and swinging slowly at the end of its cord, maybe bumping into the wall rhythmically as if dropped and forgotten. I looked over at my brother, stunned. I, I guess I, I must have had a scared look on my face because he stood and asked me what was wrong right away. When I told him what I heard, he grabbed his keys and told me to get moving. We had to get out there to check on them. Maybe someone had broken in or, or maybe Arnie had had a, a heart attack or something. So I, I called the ambulance in town before we left. I told them what I'd heard and how to get to the Selfridges and let them know we were on our way to check on them as quickly as we could get there. Then we drove. My brother, hell, I, I didn't know he could drive like that. Of course, I shouldn't have been surprised. He was, he was always full of tricks up his sleeve that would show up just when we needed them. As, as we got older, it was like he had just been living some hidden life in which he was an, an adventure junkie that lived off the grid and off the land just for fun, just to see if he could do it. Need to secure a load in the back of a truck or on a trailer? Well, he knew just the right knots can't get the campfire started because the, the wood was wet. Oh, never fear. He knew how to get it started using some moss and a little thread. He, I don't know, how he knew this stuff, I, I really have no idea. It's nothing we learned from our parents, but he just somehow knew. So, sitting there holding on for dear life as he tore through those back roads on the way to the Selfridges, I shouldn't have been surprised, but when we made it there before the ambulance, there it was. That sense of amazement and wonder just how he picked up all these talents and I didn't even know about them. Really though, there was there was no time to think about it. We, we both jumped out of the car and, and made our way to the house. That, I'll never forget it, that smell of rot and decay was stronger that day than the night before and it was strong enough to make our eyes water and we both were more than a little hesitant to go inside. See, Arnie, if you remember, had just told us about a situation just like this where something unseen dropped out of nowhere and nearly choked the life out of him. And 
No matter how much we dismissed it as a, a far-fetched tale from a guy that was <laughs> half-pickled from downing beers lakeside his whole life, well, hearing those sounds of struggle on the phone and, and then having this smell, this rancid, rotten smell attack our senses like that when we arrived, well, it was more than enough to have the hair on my neck standing on high alert. The, uh, the front door stood open just a crack, and as we slowly approached, my brother told me he was going to circle to the back, through the screen porch and into the house through the back door, and check, look to see if they're out there on the back porch, and just kind of check things out from the back, make sure everything was alright, so we weren't surprised. He circled around the house and out of view, and I began climbing the few steps up to the front door, but that rotten smell, it was pouring out of the crack in the door, and... Like Maggie talked about previously, I, I swear I could see it rolling down the steps and spreading on the dead grass in the yard like mm, some putrid fog clinging tight to the ground, It kind of just flowing and oozing, seeking the lowest places to settle and corrupt along the way, but it was just the smell. There, there was no fog, but it was, there was something there. I remember I, I had a brief moment where thinking of it like a fog creeping around, I thought of that fog and it sent a chill up my spine, reminding me of old Zeke and his his tale and, and Ben's story as it, they flashed in my mind and I, I paused partway up the steps and couldn't stop myself from looking around the yard scanning, expecting to see some fog monster. Looking out towards the sheds and along the driveway to where our car sat parked but still running. That place was spoiled. It had turned rancid somehow. There was something very wrong with that ideal lake home, and whatever it was, I could feel its inky sickness oozing up my legs as I climbed closer to the front door. That invisible sickness held me to the stairs like hot tar. I shouted for Arnie, for Maggie, but no response. But I could hear the sounds of a struggle inside, faint but there. Forcing my feet to move, I reached the door and nudged it all the way open with my foot. The front door opened to the living room and beyond that was the kitchen and the back door. Thread and needles from some sort of cross stitch or embroidery project lay scattered next to the chair but oddly the hoop and actual embroidery wasn't anywhere I could see. In the kitchen I could see the phone off the hook and hanging down the wall still slightly swaying like an old grandfather clock ticking off the hours until it can ring again. A kitchen chair lay on its side near the table. A coffee cup shattered on the ground along with what looked like a journal of some sort lay soaking up the coffee that was splattered all over the tiles on the kitchen floor. Something had happened here. A struggle of some sort, but where were Arnie and Maggie? They were nowhere in sight. <sighs> well, I stepped into that living room, still hearing the sounds of struggle, figuring maybe Arnie and Maggie were in one of the bedrooms off the living room. I don't know. The, the smell in there made me gag, especially since that damn peppermint smell from my own wounds seemed to have intensified in the rotting stench of death that oozed over the floor of this house. There was no sign of Arnie or Maggie anywhere. 
as, as if they had been plucked out of thin air, vanishing without a trace. As my mind raced to catch up to what I was seeing while my body fought me to run and get away from whatever unseen rot oozed over and through this house, my brother burst into the kitchen and out of the bathroom. He was staggering, his eyes were bulging, clawing at his neck, he tried to move towards me. I, I've never seen someone look so terrified and his eyes were virtually screaming at me to help him. Running over to meet him as he crossed the living room, fueled by adrenaline that let me move through that invisible, sticky stench that grew stronger by the second, he staggered and began to fall, so I grabbed him and pulled him towards the door. The words from Maggie and Arnie's story the night before flashed in my head. I had to get him clear of that house. We made it as far as the top step of the front porch and my brother collapsed to the ground. He was barely able to breathe at all and all I could do was grab him under the arms and drag him to the car. I figured he wouldn't be too pissed that I dragged him down the steps, slamming his back against each one as I struggled to get him to safety. At, at least he wouldn't be pissed if I could get us clear and save his life. You see, I was really struggling to drag him. My wounds from Peppermint screamed in protest. I hadn't been able to fully recover my strength yet after the attack, and trying to drag my brother across that dry, dead grass was, well more than a little difficult, and I swear, whatever that rotting stench pouring out of the house was, it's like it turned the ground to knee-deep beach sand. Just sludge. But it was my brother, and, and I had no choice. He'd saved me from Peppermint, now it was my turn to step up and do what needed to be done. About halfway to the car, I felt the first scar rip open, a sharp, tearing pain followed by a blast of that nauseating peppermint mixing with blood. And it began to run down my side, but still I pulled. You know, I... I remember it felt like I dragged him for hours across that dead yard, like some eternal hell that would never end, but... Reality is, it only took a few moments, and I had him crammed into the car and was in the driver's seat, doing my best imitation of a NASCAR driver as I sped away from that cursed place. Up ahead, I saw the line of decay transition to the lush greens of summer and the road at the end of that long driveway just beyond that. Blasting past the deadline, my brother stirred but still wasn't breathing. I, I sped up and as I hit the road, cranking the wheel hard to avoid getting T-boned by the ambulance that was speeding towards the driveway, the car spun and we ended up sliding to a stop in the ditch a few hundred yards from the driveway. With gravel flying, me screaming a few choice words, the sirens from the ambulance blaring, my brother's eyes snapped open as he began gasping and gulping the once again fresh air. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. 
If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures and Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice. Really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mysteryminnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us, because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota.